If I want God to speak through my life, to use my life, I cannot miss this utterly essential and important lesson. I must grow wise to the reality of the devastation that sin possesses in my life. Well, good day here at Live in the Light. Thank you for joining us again. We say again, maybe it's your first time, in which case, welcome to you. We're glad you're here. We're walking through some great truths in God's Word. In fact, we're in the middle of a series called God Speaks. And so far, we've seen that God has spoken so powerfully through the world. We've also seen how God has spoken through His Word. But today, we're going somewhere different. Robbie, where are we going today? That's right, man. We got the World Book, God Speaking Through Creation. The word book, I was speaking through his Bible, but hear this, loved ones. Now we see that God wants to speak through us. God wants to use us to see the gospel message go out. And today's today's passage, one of those ones you can easily skip over at the end of Psalm 19 and think nothing of it. But when you dig into it, what you realize, it is a beautiful, powerful, and I got to warn you, very convicting message on the reality of our lives in Christ, but our reality of our sin as well. God will use this to speak and transform us so we're better prepared to be a voice for him in our marriage, in our family, in our neighborhood, in our churches, in our community. So may it be so. Listen up and listen carefully, but be careful. You might actually get transformed in the process. Why? Because God is speaking. And if we're listening, well, look out. It's going to be a great day. All right, we're praying for that great day for all of us today, you and us. And we're praying that God would lead us through his word now. Let's go through God's Word and Psalm 19, beginning in verse 12. And here now is our teacher, Pastor Robbie. There's no guarantee that God will speak through me. But there's a guarantee that God wants to speak through me. There's just too many passages in Scripture that have conditions. Like Psalm 24, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Well, it's the person, the man or woman who has clean hands and a pure heart. That's the person that God uses. That's the person that God fills. We could go on and on. There's a condition that God places upon those people that he will actually speak through and speak through in a way that's more than someone who he isn't living fully in or he's not being able to take fully uh, control of. However, that being said, that, that clean hands and pure heart equal a person that God speaks through. That being said, there's still the truth that's mind-boggling to me that God has chosen the church, Big C Church, to communicate his voice to a lost and dying world. There's no question, this is amazing. As the church, we have the responsibility of carrying the great commission, which is the furthering of the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. God has entrusted his church, the people of his church worldwide, to tell people that Jesus Christ is the way to eternal life, that Jesus died and shed his blood, that our sins might be forgiven. That's our responsibility as the church. Again, this is what Jesus has tasked us with. So there's no doubt that the voice of God is carried through the body of Christ. That's for certain. But here's what's not certain. 
What's not certain is who within the body of Christ will be most used with the voice of God. Why are some men and women used more powerfully than others? Why does God seem to powerfully move through others in an amazing way so purely and easily as opposed to others where there maybe isn't much happening at all? That's the question we're faced with today. Who will God choose to speak most through? Because I thought about it again, as Christians, as people born again, living in Jesus Christ, we all have the same opportunity. Now, when I'm talking about God speaking through us, I'm not talking about pastor boy up here preaching a sermon. I'm talking about us being living children of God who have the message within us, who are tasked and have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with our lives. Everyone saved in Jesus Christ has the same opportunity. And everyone in Jesus Christ has the same responsibility. We have all been tasked again by Christ to go with this commission with the gospel. So if we all have the same opportunity as believers, and if we all have the same responsibility as believers, then how come some people are being way more effective than others? Why does God seem to be so clearly speaking through some, and again, not so much through others? What's the difference? It's a lot of what we find out today. What is the difference? of a person God uses, a person where his voice is so clearly heard through a person that maybe you're not hearing much of God at all. And this is what the last few verses of Psalm 19, I think are going to speak to us powerfully on. Psalm 19, verse 12. Look at it with me. David ends with this. He says, who can discern his errors? Speaking of himself here, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. I would circle hidden faults, circle presumptuous sins, circle dominion. He says, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth, love how he ends this psalm, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And then he says, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let me just pray before we officially start this mess. Father, uh, I pray, and I pray so much, Lord. I, I say, oh God, how we need your Holy Spirit to speak today. Oh God, how we need you. We need you, we need you, Lord. We know that before you will speak through us, you must first speak to us. And I believe, Lord, you will speak to many today. You will speak to us, to, to them, to me because you want to speak then through us. There's a difficult message ahead in some ways, Lord, but there is an opportunistic message of joy and cleansing and freedom. Oh God, by your kindness and grace and mercy, I pray you would set people free. You would release them from chains of bondage and sin. You would allow them to see the joy of what it means to truly follow Christ with abandonment and blessing. Oh, Lord, would you do that? Lord, not so we can feel good, so we can know you are good, that you are awesome, and we will live in such fullness and satisfaction in the things of you and your son, Jesus Christ. May that be so right now, Lord. I look to you. We cannot do this. We look to you, I pray. Speak, speak to us that you might speak through us. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. All right. If I want God to speak powerfully through my life, there's a few things that Psalm 19 is going to teach me today then. And number one is this, I must grow wise to the devastation of sin. 
if I want God to speak through my life, to use my life, I cannot miss this utterly essential and important lesson. I must grow wise to the reality of the devastation that sin possesses in my life. So as I read Psalm 19 and I come to verse 12, I was thinking this week, in my opinion, in verse 12, the Bible takes a turn we're not expecting. Because in verses 1 to 6 in Psalm 19, we're driving down the the highway of of creation, you know? We're driving down, we're looking at beautiful sunsets of the Word of God, and we're looking at star-dusted skies, and we're on this highway, like, wow, man, this highway's amazing. And and then we go to week 2 in verses 7 to 11, and we we turn the corner, and and now we enter into a town, it's called the town of the Word of God, or it's the Word of Godville, and we're in this Word of Godville, we're looking around, we find out that, wow, the Word of God is perfect, and it is certain and it is sure and we're in this town and we find out there's joy and and people's eyes can now see and it's clean and this town endures forever because nothing could ever make it pass away and so we've gone through highway of creation and we're in the town of the word of God and it's really fun but all of a sudden we turn the corner again in God's word and then we go to a place I'm not expecting to go we go to a place in verse 12 that I'm going to call today is the valley of sin So we turn on the highway of creation, now we're into the town of the word of God, and then we turn the corner, and then we're taken to the the valley of sin, which is a serious place and can be a little bit of a scary place. But why not? The word of God has turned us into this valley of sin, not to tempt us with sin, but to teach us about sin. Because if we're going to see God's voice, hear his voice, be used with God, we must understand, apparently God wants to show us And we must learn about sin in order to be freed from it. And this is what happens again right here in verse 12. But why would the Holy Spirit lead David to go to the valley of sin? Again, I wrote this down this week and I like it a lot. It's because the greatest silencer of the voice of God through our lives is unchecked sin in our lives. The greatest silencer of the voice of God through our lives is is unchecked sin in our lives. I mean, it was David who just listed in verses 7 to 11, six attributes of the word of God that's perfect and sure and right and pure and clean and and true. And he listed the attributes of God's word and then he listed the impact of God's word. But you know what sin does? Sin hates all these things. Sin fights again all of these great elements of God's word and its fruit in our lives. Sin fights against revival. Sin fights against God's wisdom in our lives. Sin fights against joy. Sin fights against purity. Sin fights against a love of the Lord. Sin hates righteousness. So just to recap then, we're finding out really quickly here, sin stinks. In fact, check that. More accurately and descriptively, sin is disgusting. It is devastating. Sin is destructive. And that's why I believe verse 12 is here. David understands the devastation of sin when it comes to being used of the Lord, and David wants to expose it. Notice this too. Furthermore, David isn't like save people from their sins. David's like, God, save me from my sin. David personalizes it right away. First person, he knows he's susceptible to sin as much as anyone. He needs this truth. You know, one of the great signs that God is at work in your life is when you hear a difficult truth, you're not running in your mind to apply it to someone else. 
a great sign God's at work in your life is you, with humility and transparency, the first thing you do is look at your own heart. And that's a challenge for you and me today in this message. It's don't think about someone else. Put your own self before the mirror of God today and find out where you're at, just you and God today, to get yourself in a right position. That's what David's doing. It's good leadership. He says, God, declare me innocent from hidden faults. So what David does here, and again, this is, this is where, like, I mean, the word of God continually amazes me week after week after week, and you get into a couple of verses here, and you're, you kind of have an idea what's there, but you get into it, and all of a sudden I found out verses 12 to 14 are really an explanation of the doctrine of sin. And it really becomes such a, an analysis, and it, it, it uncovers so much of the progression of sin within our lives and how dangerous it is. So what David does now, he lists three levels of sin and why it's so devastating. And it's so helpful for us. It's, it's hard, but it's so good. So let's start with this level. Here's the first level of sin David points out to help us get rid of it. It's called this hidden sins. A hidden sins is what David says first. Look at verse 12. He says, who can discern his own errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults or hidden sins, of course. What David's saying here, loved ones, there are sins in our lives that we are aware of, but there are also sins in our lives. There's a whole whack load of sins we aren't even conscious of. David knows this. He knows that just because he's not aware of certain sins doesn't excuse him from these sins. So David's a wise man here too. So what he does, he comes before God and he says, Lord Jesus, Father, forgive me for the sins I see, but also declare me innocent from the faults and the sins that I do not see because I know they're there and I want to be forgiven of those too so I don't block your voice through my life. Remember this as well. Sin is subtle. Sin is sneaky. Sin is seductive as well. I mean, just... Just take pride, for instance. The sin of pride is, it's awful, it's insidious, it's so tricky. Pride is so deadly because one, pride blinds us to our sin. When we're full of pride, we're like, I didn't do anything wrong. You're, you're the problem, you're the problem, you're the problem. Pride blinds us to our sin, but even worse, pride blinds us to the fact that we are blind. And that's devastating. What we learn today, and even from this text, in so many cases, it's our sin that hides our sin. It's our sin that covers up the reality of the sin that is ruining our lives. I mean, how many marriages have I seen where the husband and wife sit across from each other, and it's like, it's your fault, it's your fault, you're the reason, you're the blame, you're the cause, and they can't stop long enough just to understand theologically you never win as long as all you do is place blame on the other person. Because of pride, they're dumb Pride makes them dumb. They can't see the truth of God's word that I win when I take myself first and examine myself before the Lord. And the only person I can ultimately change is myself. And that's where the joy comes from. I win when I put my sin on the table and own my sin as opposed to everyone else is the problem of my problems. But that's wisdom. But pride says, forget that. Don't listen to pastor. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I know I've been wrong. It's all that person. As long as you do that, you will lose. It's hard. It hurts. It's painful. It's right. But pride will blind you to your own blindness. 
Sin keeps our sins hidden. See what God's trying to do this week? He's right now, God's trying to speak to us and reveal. He's trying to humble us by loving us and showing us, get those sins uncovered. Get those things repented of and watch the grace replace it. Watch the love. Don't block the water of God's mercy into your life with sin. Break that open and let the floods come in of the rest and the joy and the peace and the, and the love of God. That's what he wants to do right now. But that takes a lot of humility. It was funny as I sat on this text this week and I, and I was pondering as I studied this concept of hidden sins. I heard my flesh saying to me, yeah, you got a lot of sin, Robbie, but you don't have a lot of hidden sins. And I sat there and my flesh was convincing for a few moments. And Satan, of course, is like spurring the whole thing on and saying, yeah, 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 no, don't look to uncover all those things. There's not many sins there, don't worry about it. And I sat there and I just was like, wait a second. And so I got up and I punched my flesh in the face, figuratively, of course, all right? <laughs> and I said to my flesh and literally out loud, you lie, shut your mouth, you're wrong. And then, and then I repent. Because what happens is you sit there and you think long enough of the inner places of your heart and quickly what begins to happen is you see the sin start to uncover and uncover and uncover and you know the words that you speak in one level are just a cover for the reality, the sinful motivations and tendencies you have. And you sit there long enough, you're like, oh my Lord, I need your forgiveness. I have sinned against you. The depth, the depth of sin that is so often hidden that creeps in like a thief. Just think this week, all of us have committed sins we've already forgotten about. We just did it and kept on walking. Just the week, this week, all of us have filled our hearts with sin. Maybe we have not acted upon it, so therefore we've excused ourselves to say, well, I didn't do anything about it, so therefore it wasn't sin. But in the same time, in our hearts, we have felt hatred. In our hearts, we have felt envious. In our hearts, we have birthed greed. In our hearts, we have lusted. In our hearts, we have been competitive. In our hearts, there has been sin, but we're saying, no, no, no. They remain hidden to us. This week we have sinned in ignorance, yet we have sinned still. And see, this is why David then says, declare us innocent. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. And that's a person, a man or woman of wisdom. Now, this idea of hidden sins, I think we need some help in this regard. A lot of us are just like, I don't really, I don't, I don't really know exactly what you're talking about. These sins that remain hidden. Well, let's just go through a little exercise here and see if it isn't helpful. I think it will be. And I'm going to go through um, a bunch of sins that relate to the fruit of pride. And I want to do these sins that relates to pride. I think pride are the ones, as we discussed, that are hidden the easiest and the ones that we fail to see the most and that are most maybe the most deceptive within our lives. Let me just read this list. This isn't necessarily fun, okay? Um, This is going to hurt a little bit, but that's kind of the point. No, that is the point, but to bring then the healing and to bring the reality of what God wants to do. Um, here are some fruits of pride in our lives. Uh, first one's this. Um, I want to be well-known or important. I am selfishly ambitious. I really want to get ahead and make a name for myself. I want to be important in life. I like having position or title. I far prefer to lead than follow. I'm sinfully competitive. I am overly competitive. I always want to win or come out on top, and it bothers me when I don't. I want to impress people. I want people to be impressed with me. I like to make my accomplishments known, what I look like, the vehicle I drive, how much money I earn, how spiritual I think I am, the things I've accomplished, what I know, where I went to school, who I know. 
I like to talk about myself. I like to talk especially about myself or persons or things that I'm involved with. I want people to know what I'm doing or thinking. I would rather speak than listen. I have a hard time being succinct. I desire recognition and praise. I desire to receive recognition and credit for what I do. I like people to see what I do and let me know that they've noticed. I feel hurt or offended when they don't. I am overly concerned about my reputation. I hate being misunderstood. I am not fulfilled in serving others. I'm not very excited about seeing or making others successful. I tend to feel envious, jealous, or critical towards those who are doing well or being honored. I am anxious. I am often anxious about my life and the future. I tend not to trust God and rarely experience his abiding and transcendent peace in my soul. I have a hard time sleeping at night because of fearful thoughts and burdens that I carry. I am insecure. I often feel insecure. I don't want to try new things or step out into uncomfortable situations because I'm afraid I'll fail and look foolish. I am easily embarrassed. I compare myself. I regularly compare myself to others. I am performance orientated. I feel I have greater worth if I do well. I'm self-serving. When asked to do something, I find myself asking, how will this help me? Will I be inconvenienced? I am not focused on the needs and interests of others. I'm self-righteous. I tend to be self-righteous. I can think I have really something to offer God. I would never say so, but I think God did well to save me. I seldom think or, or recognize my total depravity and helplessness apart from God. I regularly focus on the sins of others. I don't credit God for any degree of holiness in my life. Ungrateful. I often feel ungrateful. I tend to grumble about what I have or my lot in life. I am not amazed by grace on a regular basis. I am captive to self-pity. I found myself wallowing in self-pity. I am consumed with how I am treated by God and others, and I tend to feel mistreated and hate being misunderstood. I am jealous and envious. I can be jealous or envious of others' abilities, possessions, positions, accomplishments, and friends. I want to be what others are, want to have what others have. I think I should have it, and I deserve it. Interruptive. I interrupt people regularly. I don't let people finish what they are saying. Here's the last one I'll read. Um, I think of others during teaching. I listen to teaching with other people in mind. Are you doing that right now? I constantly think of folks who need to hear and apply this teaching, and I wish they were here. Now, I'll end right there because that's probably, well, in this room right now, there's probably individuals who are, as you read, you are thinking, I wish that person heard that. That's so much that person. That right there, see how deceptive and wicked the heart is? It's desperately wicked. Who could understand it? And the heart continues to point things in other directions when we are the ones who first need to see what's happening within our own lives. Now, why did I do that and what just happened? I read that list of some of the fruits of pride in our lives because I wanted to expose some sin. I wanted to be revealed. I think there's some conviction in the room. And when God does that, see these sins that are revealed, then God moves us then to repentance. But here's my point. What if I didn't just read that list? Well, then I suggest these sins remain hidden and they're not confessed. 
and there's no opportunity necessarily for repentance, and we're not aware of how much goes on in our lives that we don't actually see, that, listen, that blocks the voice of God through our lives. That's why we join with David, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Oh God, the things I see and the things I don't see. Listen, there's so much grace available from the Lord Jesus Christ, but we must ask for it. And the reason we go through this is not to beat you up and to make you feel guilty. It is to bring conviction, to say how much I want God's grace and love and mercy to keep flowing in my life that I'm used and able to hear his voice and then use his voice through my life. That's the point. And David says there are hidden sins, but now it gets more serious. Now we move on to presumptuous sins. So hidden sins and now presumptuous sins. Look at verse 13. He says, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Now, what's the difference between hidden sins and presumptuous sins? It's this. Presumptuous sins are sins we do with knowledge and with pride. I read this this week. This is very helpful. Things that make sins presumptuous. We know better. We flat out know this is not God's will. We flat out know this is sinful. We flat out know this is wrong, yet we choose to do it anyways. Those are presumptuous sins. These are sins where friends have warned us not to sin in this way. Friends having the courage to love us and to say, my brother, my sister, what you're about to do, you know this is not going to please God, and yet we do it anyways. That is a presumptuous sin Sins where God has warned us, God himself in his word, through his teaching, God has shown us, this is not my plan for your life. This is sin. And we do it anyways, knowing that God totally disapproves. There are sins where in the past we have warned others about this sin. And yet we ourselves find ourselves in the place where we're now committing the sins that in the past we have told others not to do. Presumptuous sins are sins that we plan on sinning about we make plans to sin we strategize the way to carry out the sin and we relish it when we do it we start to delight in the act of sin those are presumptuous sins it's dangerous because they are willful arrogant actions against god and against his will so it's one thing if we sin in ignorance But it's a whole nother thing if we see the sin before us, we know what we're about to do, and we choose to do it anyways. And of course, David would know what was going on. David, with his sin, the greatest turning point in his life for the negative was his sin with Bathsheba. When kings go out to war, David was on his palace roof. He was choosing not to do what kings do at that time. He is bored. He is sitting idle. He is not busy. He's walking around the palace roof. He sees Bathsheba bathing. He puts eyes on her. He lusts after her. He knows it's wrong. She's married to another man. He chooses to do it anyways. He brings her over. She becomes pregnant. He panics. Then her husband, Uriah, he arranges for him to come back. It doesn't work. Then David is forced now. I have to murder him, get him killed in battle. He knows what he's doing is wrong. He chooses to do it anyways. It's willful, arrogant, presumptuous sins, which is the greatest negative turning point of David's life. Yes, David would be forgiven. Absolutely, he would be forgiven. But consequences would be drastic and vast, wreaking havoc, on his family. You see, the greatest danger 
The greatest danger of this presumptuous sins, and this is the progression that David is showing us, is it starts to become our prison. It starts to take hold of our heart. You see, it's a big deal if you stare sexual immorality in the face and you do it anyways. That's a big deal. Thanks so much for listening to Live in the Light. We found this ministry to be such a blessing to us as well as our listeners. Our mission here at Live in the Light is to see the radical transformation in God's people through the revelation of God's truth. We believe that through the faithful and passionate preaching of God's word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. Our prayer is as people are impacted by Live in the Light, they will be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. But that's only made possible by you, our listeners. We're kept on the air by your generous gifts and donations. If you're interested in giving to Live in the Light, you can do so on our website at liveinthelight.ca or give us a call at 1-844-225-4448. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light.